I have a praise. I signed a substantial job this week. Now I got to go do the job. So, yeah. <laughs> but now, actually, my doing the job is basically going over there and telling people what to do. And then you come back and make sure they've done it right, like I told them. There's worse ways to make a living. So. But the phone keeps ringing, and, it's, and I'll, I'll, I can still do it, so I'm, I'm doing some of it. I've got another one pending that's bigger than this one, and uh, it'll probably sign this week sometimes. So I'm going to have two of them going at once, which is a whole lot better than it was during Harvey, where I had like four to six of them going at once. But uh, if I could handle that, surely I can handle one or two. Who else? Praises. I got a big praise. You do? Saved Wednesday night at 6.28 p.m. Amen. It's a great one. Yeah. Don't get much better than that. Matter of fact, it doesn't ever get any better than that. So. That's why we're here. Yep. Who else? Anybody? Oh, Jerry, go for it. Well, I'm, I'm here, Pastor. The Lord will let me be here today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Also, I got paid Friday. <laughs> cool. Got installing an aircraft radio. Made a quick thousand bucks. All right. Took me two weeks. Half days, once a time. I have a really good friend that I did a... It must be... I don't know, 25 years ago now, maybe longer. He, uh, I poured some concrete for him at his shop. He owned an electrical company. I pulled up to the job, and he was standing out there, and I, he didn't get out of the truck, so I just rolled my window down. And uh, the guys were doing fine, so I just, you know, everything's looking good. But in his language. I drove up to the job, didn't get out of the truck, left, came back and made a thousand dollars that day. That worked. <laughs> <laughs> Never I heard about that for the last twenty years. But it wasn't that I made it it was because I did it in drive up the truck, rolled the wind down, rolled it back up and left. Nothing to say about the years. Nothing, to, n- no, nothing to say about any of the other stuff. But anyway. Hey, I got the phrase. Yes, Mary. Yeah. Um. But yesterday, the day before yesterday, just like we're telling her, she's in children must call for help. Call out, you know, hi Lord, somebody pray with you, or whatever. Man, I saw a feel a pain in my side. I mean, it was horrible. I, of course, I called my kid, you know, and I started praying to God. And this morning, I wake up. Was gone. I don't know what it was. It was terrible. I said, Lord, come on, you gotta help me here. <laughs> He's like, okay, Mary, I got you. <laughs> I got it. I got this. I got it. <laughs> yeah, Lord's pretty good at having it all figured out before we pray. You know, He He doesn't wait for us to pray. You realize that? Yeah. And we don't know what to pray for anyway. <laughs> We don't know how to pray. Go ahead, Josh. Since we uh, we 
we haven't had a lot of jobs pulled all together. They've been kind of sprawled out all through summer. And uh, this past week, we were able to get three jobs all put together in one week. So it's be the first time in several months that I'll get the ability to write a big fat tithing offer. So Good. I haven't been doing that for a while. So that was fun. Amen. Well, we'll have a fat one next week because I collect the first half of that job. We don't wait till actually we don't wait till we earn it because if we do that, we won't even know what it was by that time. So what we do when we collect a deposit or any kind of a draw on a job, we know the percentage that we put in for profit. So we take the percentage and do our tithes and offerings off of that so that way God gets his first. This, this time is the first time I've been able to do that. I've been re, I've been changing how we yep. sell my finances and we got collected 50% on the job we started. We won't finish for three weeks. Yeah. And that's part of this tithing offer. Yep. So it was, I was able to do that. That was pretty cool. And I, I discovered something when I started doing that. I mean, nobody taught me to do that. I just had to figure out a way to do it so that God could have his first. And uh, But as I've done that for the last, what, 35 years, maybe? I don't know. 30 at least. I've noticed that I, that I get incredible help on my jobs. You ever heard of a contractor that has never lost money on a job? You. I'm, I'm it. That as far as I've ever, heard, I've never heard of a contractor other than me that that has never lost money on a job. I must be really good at what I do. If you're honorable, you stick with your bid. There is no such thing as not sticking with your bid, as far as I know. Sometimes things just happen that you couldn't expect. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there are principles. It's all about, it's all, everything works according to principle. We're going to study that today. Yes, please. Well, to me, tithing is like the easiest commandment to abide by. <laughs> and because you get a check and you write a check and, and then you're done. And you've obeyed the Lord and you're done and you're not going to forget because you do it immediately. And then when you, when you do it that way or you have a business of your own and you have a deposit and you're trusting God to hit this target of a certain percentage that you that you write your check on it happens every once in a while you get what he calls gravy and you get these extras so then you write another check because you're going to have these yeah. Numbers, so. yeah gravy's cool I just, I just see God honoring the worker that does that mm-hmm. yeah Eva uh, I just want to give praise to God because I know this week somebody somewhere prayed for me. Somebody prayed for me because I had a wonderful, wonderful week. I didn't have to argue with Dylan about anything. I didn't have to wake him up to go to school. And I got up and I could just rejoice and sit on my back porch and read my Bible and just be in awe of everything around me. And I I just know that somebody prayed for me. And if it was either one of you all, 
Thank Can you. I say thank you? And Lord, I thank you for letting me be here where I feel so comfortable. Amen. I'll, I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. I'll pray for you right now. Amen. That's pretty incredible. Daryl? I got praise. We got a brand new brother with a new birthday as of Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. You missed that. Well, he told me he couldn't wait to tell me, so I want to praise the Lord for that. Amen. I'm excited. I can't help it. So are we. Yeah. It's a party in heaven right now. I may get an extra reward or two out of that one because it was took some doing to finally get to it. There may be an extra jewel in a crown somewhere. I don't know how that's going to work. Sherry, go ahead. He had a big day yesterday. He's been doing everything. Some big happenings going on. Amen. Lots of good things going on. Justin made it back okay. There's a praise. And... Uh, they had a good meeting up there in Alva, good attendance all week, and he did he did his job well, and and uh, that's all good. If his wife is uh, able to get out of the hospital where they he can uh, where he can get away, uh, we have our missionary uh, to Alaska, Gary Hampton, that I've known for at least as long as I've been saved, which is forty. Well, 1977, I don't know how. I, 46. 46, 47 years. I've known him that long. He's about my age. It has to be because I've known him that long. But anyway, uh, he's a missionary out of Rogers. He's been sponsored out of Rogers Baptist for 46 years that I know of. Well, there's another one we've been praying for. Hey. And... Uh, but anyway, uh, Gary, uh, he's supposed to be with us next Sunday. If he is able to make it, uh, he'll be one of the few missionaries that I will allow into our pulpit for Sunday mornings to preach. Because uh, I know I can, I, I've known him long enough and I can tr- trust him. So, it's all good. It's all good. Gary Hampton. No. <laughs> and I'll stop right there. All right. Go ahead, Christine. So, um, you all know that we've been praying for a teacher for Kaylin's class um, because it's just it's very chaotic. And Kaylin came home the other day and we were reading some of her work. And I have to thank God all the time for such a sweet, humble little girl because she saw something and she was like, this doesn't look right. And so Josh and I were looking at it, and it was the definition of diligence, which was completely wrong. And she's learned to kind of stand her ground when something is wrong that she doesn't agree with. So she was like, I'll learn it this way. And so when she took her test the next day, she was bound and determined to put the definition of diligence and not what they had taught her in school. So we had kind of reached out to the school about it, um, and they kind of gave us a few things. and. They're like, what's going to be on the test? And I was like, well, she's going to give you the, the true definition of diligence. And she came home and she said, Mom, it wasn't on there, but I can tell you what it is. And she told me exactly what it is on the way home. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I just I have to thank God that she's she's so willing to go with the flow and not take advantage of the situation. Oh, look, I could get by with not doing what's right. Yeah. Like, no, 
she has to be right. Yeah, taking a stand is uh, something we need a whole lot more people in this world to do. People are always quick to take a stand for something wrong. Uh, that's going on a lot. But anybody else? Yes, you have to have a praise. I can yeah. talk. <laughs> wow. I can't sing yet, but I can talk. So uh, that's well, that's good. that's a step. Yeah. That's a step. every other word comes out, but it'll get there. Yeah. I have another praise. We have. Uh, your loving staff has actually worked out a a second more we won't call it permanent nothing in this life is permanent except our salvation but we have an, a, another perma, a semi-permanent pickleball date so Friday night at 530 is, stand, is standing and now we're going to do Sunday night at 6 because softball's at 3 and 4 every game during the whole season and that Iwana's over, and so we, we're going to be able to use Sunday night. And that way, when Monday comes, we will be completely exhausted and ready to get a good night's sleep Sunday night. So, Full day at the Lord's house. Full day at the Lord's house. Yeah. We'll see. We, we still have to work this thing into a little bit more of a ministry. All right, we're going to John chapter 4. Jesus has taken a detour he's left Jerusalem he's going back to Galilee he has decided he's going through Samaria Uh, verse 4 and he must needs go through Samaria must needs that's an interesting way to put it he thought it necessary to go through Samaria why would it be necessary to go through Samaria? You should know this well by now. Somebody there needs to talk to There's a lady that doesn't know Jesus. And he plans on fixing that problem. And he did. Not only did he fix her problem, he fixed a mess of problems. A whole lot of them. Uh, and so he goes through Samaria. Uh, it's lunchtime, 12 o'clock. The disciples had not brought food guess they figured he'd make some fishes multiply or something. They had learned that lesson already. Well, they hadn't learned that lesson yet. It hasn't, that hasn't happened yet in this schedule of things we're on. And so uh, they're, they're gone away, probably to the very city the woman came out of, would have been the closest one, to get food. And Jesus stayed there at the well. Wonder why he stayed behind. Not a secret, is it? Pretty obvious by this point. And so this woman shows up at noon to draw water, which is in and of itself very unusual. And we find out later why she's... Anyway, she is a, she's a castaway. She's, been, she's basically cast out of their culture. Uh, and that takes some to, to be a Samaritan and get ostracized for not being a very good person. So she's living with a guy, and she has gone through five husbands already. She sounds like a Hollywood actress. Or actor. Any of them. <laughs> they, they go through husbands like changing clothes. Her wives. Uh, her wives, whatever. <laughs> anyway... 
so Jesus, when she got there, Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And she, uh, she said, why are you asking me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. I guess you could tell by looking that he was a Jew. Most Jewish people, even today, have a very uh, common appearance. Maybe it was his accent. Maybe it was his accent. I suppose. Could have been. But anyway, she says, How is it that you're asking me for water? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, and Jews don't ask Samaritans for nothing. I've paraphrased that a little bit. Uh, and Jesus answered, I love his answer. He said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me a drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And by the way, this is the only verse in the Bible that can be construed to say that you should pray for your salvation. You should ask for it. This verse isn't, doesn't prove that, and it doesn't demonstrate that. He asked for water. He said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked for living water. And then the woman saith unto him, Sir, you don't have anything to draw with. The well's deep, and so where are you getting this water? And Jesus said, Whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again. But whoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. What is living water? Good water. Salvation. Salvation. Yeah, it's salvation. Have you drank of salvation? Yes, sir. Are you thirsting again or not? No, for more. More salvation? No, more of the Lord anointing better. Yeah. Uh, it shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She thinks it's special well water. And so Jesus says, No, it's this other kind of water. He doesn't do that. By the way, Jesus does treat this woman in a one very special way. We're going to see it here in just a minute. He said, go call thy husband and come here. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, the woman says, uh, uh, well, uh. What happened was, well, you see. She said, I, I, don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou true. And Jesus said, Oh, the guy you're living with, well, everybody's doing that now, so it's no big deal. Is that what he said? Is it a big deal just because everybody's doing it? It's still what it is. It's never changed. 
when I was growing up, they used to call that shacking up, and it was not a, a, a complimentary term. You've all, yeah, you've all heard it. And uh, and no, it's not a, it's it's still exactly what it was when Jesus explained this to her. And the woman said unto him, he actually used this to teach her something very important. He said, she said, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And then she wants to argue about their religion. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that's in Jerusalem where you're supposed to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me. Now that was good advice, wasn't it? The hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. Well, I can't believe you talked to me like that. <laughs> That's what you'd hear today. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. For the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We won't go all over all of that again. Number one, because I don't know everything it means, just some of it. But you can comment on it if you if you've got something to add. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He has come, He will tell us all things. She knew a lot. Now this is the part that kind of blows me away. There's no other place in the New Testament like this next verse. This is the one place in the New Testament where Jesus gave someone a straight answer. That, seriously. Pharisees ask him this stuff. The, the rich young ruler asked him this stuff. Everybody asked him. This one woman is the only one that got a straight answer from Jesus. I that speak unto thee am I am. I am that I am. That just strikes me as, as being extremely cool. That this woman, with the baggage that she had, would be the one person who would be considered to probably be the only, the, the most unrighteous person he ever spoke to face to face. And she is the one person that he told her straight out exactly who he was. Daryl. Seemingly went out of his way to do so. Wasn't any seemingly about it. <laughs> he went about, he, was on a mission. he walked about 80 miles out of his way to do so. Yeah. yeah. But if that's the case, Anybody has a chance for salvation and to be saved. Isn't that right? Everybody. Everybody. If he looked at her and saved her, it didn't bring out the rest of those. You mean you think you think Jesus would save me? Yeah, we all got to. See, I get to tell people for sure. Yeah, Jesus would save you. He even saved Lynn. (laughs) 
So that ought to tell you something. Between these, between her and Glenn, that ought to tell you a lot. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about principles of the harvest. Starting with verse 27, we're going to see people being reached for Christ and how it works. And there are principles involved. And we may spend a couple of weeks on this. I don't know. It's worth whatever time we give it. He says, Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Why wouldn't they ask Jesus about this? Was it customary that any Jew would be alone with a Samaritan woman talking with her? Mm-hmm. Not at all. Maybe they just knew they wouldn't get a straight answer. I think it's because they knew better by now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's that habit of asking questions and judging people that's hard to worry yeah they have been corrected before yeah. then the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men she forgot all about the water yeah and there's something I'm thinking about and I, whenever, whenever, whenever I read it that woman when she started walking she wasn't walking man you know what she was doing to she's, she's moving pretty quick. Huh? She was going to be moving quick enough she didn't have time to carry that water bottle. She wasn't going to let that weigh her down. I want to ask you this question. Do you think this woman is saved at this point? Yes. Yeah. She went thirsty, she dropped her water. I mean, it says it. When Jesus told her who he was, she believed. Yeah. She went went into the city and saith to the men. She didn't have any she didn't have any reservations about talking to the men at this point. Yeah. She said, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. But he said unto them, I have meet, uh, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And Jesus said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, uh, said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him anything to eat, ought to eat? Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And then he didn't stop there. He says, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. I said in this chapter you're going to find principles of the harvest. And this, uh, this harvest is not about wheat or barley or any kind of grain. It's, it's a parallel. It's an illustration. He said, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. It's been said, and I I don't know if this is the fact or not, but it sounds cool. you, You have a picture here. You have Jacob's well, which is near the gates of the city. Uh, it's not like 
the other side of the room. It's it's out there a little ways. And you have these people, these men in the city that are pouring out of the gate and head for Jesus in. What are they wearing? Rags. Like work clothes, like they're just Yeah. What what do they wear on their head? They all wear a turban. Back then. They still do as far as I know, but back then they wore turbans. What would be the common color of a turban? White. I mean, I don't know this is a fact, but it sounds good. I mean, here you got this picture of these men with these white turbans, and Jesus said, look out, look on the fields, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. What does it mean when the fields are white? It means, it means the grain's ripe. It's ready to go. It's time to harvest. And then he begins to explain what he's really talking about. Verse 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. What kind of harvest is this? Souls. Souls. It's not about grain. Although the parallels are there. He gathereth fruit unto eternal life that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Can anybody reap where nothing's been sowed? Uh-uh. No. So, and here, herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered in to their labors. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he bode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, we're not giving you any credit. For we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Wow. What a, what a side trip that was. Now, let's go back to these harvest principles. There are things that can be learned from what Jesus taught right here about the harvest. In, there, in, in harvesting grain or fruit or anything that grows, there's uh, two basic kinds of workers involved there are people who sow plant the grain and there are other people usually usually well I don't know if it's usually but oftentimes it's not the same people how many of you have read the book of Ruth book of Ruth short wonderful story it's 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 totally interesting uh if you love, like love stories, you'll love the book of Ruth. Uh, who was Boaz? Very respectful man. Boaz was a, a, man, a good man, a rich man. And what did Boaz do for a living? He was farming. He harvested grain. 
he harvested, and he probably planted it too, or hired men to plant it. But uh, they were reaping; they were reaping the harvest. And here he says, "He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together." Okay, you got sowers and reapers. You got people in our churches that are gifted. In sowing, and you've got people in our churches that are gifted in reaping. Is there enough people out there that we could have more than one or two reapers in a church? Yeah, there's plenty of room. Do you think that being a reaper is a gift from God? Well, we got a smart one up here in the front today. Yes. Reaping, reapers are... What, what about uh, soul winners? That's what a reaper is, isn't it? Uh, what about soul, soul winners getting paid for their work? What do we just read? And he that reapeth receiveth wages. That's what it says. It is. And gathereth fruit unto life eternal. There can be no question about who this reaper is and what he's doing. I mean, it's just as plain as the nose on your face right there. It's as clear as can be, I think. At one soweth and another reapeth. That saying is true. Uh, there's so many things here that are applicable to reaching people with the Lord. Who did Jesus give the responsibility to to reach people and get them saved? He gave it to the church, not to individual Christians he had picked out. Now, does he put some individual Christians in his churches who have the skills and talent and ability to reap? He does. He does. I know that really well. Our one. I, I, I do it. I try to do it all the time if I can. Lisa. God tells us to um, ask for the best gifts. He does. First Corinthians chapter 12. You have a spiritual gift or two or three. You know you do. But I don't know if I could do it without the classes, without the curriculum. Well, I I don't do it without the curriculum either. I just, yeah, I just have it up here. I think 
farmers, uh, a lot of farmers hire harvesters to come in. Custom harvesters. So Absolutely. We, we plant it, we watch it grow, we tend to it, and then we hire custom harvesters because they're better, they're more adapt, they're more experienced, they'll do a better job harvesting. And they'll they'll, and get, they'll get more of it harvested. They'll get more of it harvested. In the time. That's yeah. right, in a short amount of time. I'm going to read this to you from 1 Corinthians. Come on in. Good morning. We are in John chapter 4. And I am taking a side trip to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're talking about the spiritual gifts of winning people to Christ. What if you if you could just choose your spiritual gifts? If God was say like He did to Solomon, you know, He came to Solomon, He says, "Ask ask me what you want." Ooh, wouldn't that be a good night? To, you may not sleep the rest of the night, but I think it's smart to ask for what He asked for. Yeah, yeah. He was smart to not, but he didn't ask for it. First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty seven lets us know who we're talking to here. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. He's talking to the members of the church of Corinth, a real church, not necessarily a extremely godly church. They they had a mess of baggage. And they were making a lot of mistakes, but they were still the real deal. They were saved, and they were part of one of the Lord's real churches. I think that's also a lesson, you know, that sometimes real churches are a mess. Yeah. <laughs> they can be. Again, yeah. Did she just say I was a mess? Yeah, I think she did. I think she did. <laughs> so, so you were all thinking it, but she was the only one that said it. Okay. All right. It says, And God set the members, it set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And then he asked this question, Are all apostles? Was all the members in Corinth, were they all apostles? No. No, none of them were actually. Are all prophets? Nope. Are all teachers? Nope. No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Wait. Thank heaven, no. <laughs> Have all the gifts of healing? No. no. Do all speak with tongues? No. no. Do all interpret? No. no. And then he tells you this. But covet. Is coveting wrong? Yes. Depends on what you're coveting. Covet, to covet means what? To, to desire it, to want it. But covet earnestly. Want sincerely. The best gifts. And yet I show you unto you a more excellent way. More excellent than all these other gifts. Alright. Romans 12. Two years later, Paul writes a letter to them. And in that chapter 12 of Romans lists all their spiritual gifts. All the miraculous gifts are now missing. Tongues, interpretation, 
gifts of healing, gifts of miracle, all the other, they're gone. Just like he said, they would cease in the next chapter. But there's a whole bunch of other gifts that are better than those that are now present in the Roman church. I said, if God came to you at night, and it, like he did with Solomon, and said, what, you, what would you like me to do? What, what gift do you want? And I'll give you whatever you want. What would you ask? Gift of giving? Wisdom is what Solomon... Let me tell you something. Solomon already had wisdom before God asked him. He was, he was smart enough not to ask for riches or the life of his enemies or those sorts of things. I would ask him for the best gifts suited for my purpose that he has for me. What do you think this more excellent way is? What's he going to talk about in, in chapter 13, the very next verse? Love. That's the more excellent way. Love handles every issue, every problem. But spiritual gifts. I ask you, is soul winning a spiritual gift? Yes. Yeah. Do you suppose I ever asked for that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've wanted to reach people for for Jesus since the day I got saved, the night I got saved. I was already in my doctorate lessons the next day uh, for this for this gift. Point is, he co- he tells you here to desire the best gifts, and how would you do that? Who would you who would you go to to say I want this one? Yeah, go to the Lord and ask Him for what you want. He said, well, he says, well, why do you want it? He said, well, I want to be rich. No. Now you can't have it. Yeah. What's the spiritual gift for? To serve others. To help others. Spiritual gift, the spiritual gift is to build up the church. Period. The gifts are for the church, not for the individuals in the church. It's to build up the body. That's what he tells us in chapter 13 and 14. Verse 12, chapter 14. Even so, for as much as you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek, which is the same as covet earnestly, seek that you may excel to the edifying, the building up of the church. What verse is that? 14, 12. 